Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. I'm Stu Hardy, joined, as always, by Derek Brissett. Derek, we've just had round eight of MLR. You know, a pretty intense Saturday, followed up by the one game on the Sunday. But only five games this round. Uh, what was your general feeling of the weekend as a whole? Oh man, it's uh, I, th- I thought it was a it was a good weekend. Obviously, you know, every away team won, which is wild. Yeah, um, the first time right? that's happened in uh, MLR history. Yeah, which is which is a wild thing to consider. Um, some crazy news that we have to talk about too. Um, regarding the Jackals and then Old Glory uh, looks to have canned their coach earlier today. So we got plenty of news to dive into. And also, I think as a podcast, we're obligated to talk about the fact that Will Smith slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars for like, at least a minute or something. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I've already seen like jokes on Twitter and TikTok and Instagram. And honestly, guys, <laughs> it's it's inappropriate. It's just just such a slap in the face. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's everywhere, man. Like it's it's inescapable right now. Like that's what I was saying. And it's like. Uh, James Dealey had the great podcast title following the game of Quat Win, which I'm totally going to roll with unless if like th- there's probably some sort of like SEO algorithm reasons to call it like Will Smith slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars and how that affects the Toronto Arrows um, mm-hmm. as a podcast title. But um, I don't know. We should probably do it. That was a, what a crazy moment. What a crazy. No, we're, we're, letting people in behind the, we're letting people in behind the curtain now. We can't reveal too many of our secrets. Um, but yeah, we will uh, begin by talking about the last game of the weekend, the only Sunday fixture down in Hoboken. It was Rugby New York versus the Toronto Arrows. Also, Toronto's last uh, road game for the future, because this coming weekend, Toronto, for the first time in over 1,000 days, is returning home to Toronto and York Lions Stadium. And so they... And so in order for them to make sure they have a good reception or the best reception possible, they needed to get a win. You know, the gap between the top three going into the weekend, I believe, was only two points. And the gap between third and fourth place in the Eastern Conference, and with Toronto sitting in uh, about six or seven points behind. Um, so anyway, the Arrows needed to get the win and they needed to get their momentum continuing from that victory over Utah. Uh, it was a very windy and uh, frosty day in Hoboken as we saw you know, a defensive masterclass from both sides putting in all the effort to stop any forward momentum uh, with only the one try scored in the first half, and that was to New York. And there was also a yellow card just before halftime, but thankfully the Arrows were able to see out the half without conceding any further. And in fact, uh, as the yellow card continued into the second half, they actually scored the try. John Sheridan being uh, the quickest to a missed pass ball, able to pick it up, able to go under for the seven points, get the lead. Uh, then it was basically more of the same, a lot of defensive efforts from both sides to ensure that... Uh, neither side was able to gain any further in advantage. And then, unfortunately, uh, another yellow card came out, this time for Paul Cellini, with a bit of indiscipline. And with the man advantage, New York were able to score in the corner. Again, the conversion was missed. Um, so it really took right down to the final five minutes. The Toronto Arrows were continually pushing uh, in the New York half. 
And then finally, Andrew Quatron gets his hand on the ball, able to break through one tackler, then able to brush off three tacklers as he stampeded towards the line. Another seven-pointer under the posts. And then Toronto were able to see off any final New York attack to kick the ball out of play and get the final victory with the score being Toronto 14, New York 10. So I aged five years watching this game. Uh, did you age five or did you just go over the full decade and go 10? Oh, no, I don't know if I don't know if I aged too much. It was a tight, it was a tight game. Definitely uh, the, the fingernails are certainly a lot shorter. Maybe uh, the, the hair, I don't think is necessarily completely turning gray. It was a good, it was a good game, but it was never like, Never one where the uh, the arrows really like. I mean, they obviously never felt out of it or whatever. It was just a very tight defensive game, and you know it came down. Obviously, came down to very late in the game. With I think on the final play of the game, though, I don't think I've ever gone so fast from Chris Bell's probably ill-advised kick to thinking like, oh no, why did you do that? To Oh yeah, that was a great idea. Excellent idea. That, <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. that worked out very well. No, that was good. Good kick. Um, but yeah, like, so, so bell kind of tr- attempts to kick it forward and it just deflects off a couple of Rooney guys. And fortunately, like it fortunately allows Foley to pick it up. And then yeah, Quatrin who had a phenomenal game. He uh, led the team in carry meters as a hooker, uh, mm-hmm. which is impressive. And, he, you know, his biggest carry of the game, obviously, is, as you mentioned, shrugging mm-hmm. off all the all the the uh, new, um, rugby New York. I keep wanting to say Rooney still. It's tough to shake that one. Well, um, the, the U can be smaller because it's part of rugby. So it's OK. Uh, yeah. Oh, there we go. That's the. Yeah. OK, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, the New York team, uh, they shrug off all those defenders. And, yeah, amazing try under the post. Super, which is probably like a brilliant move to just guarantee that the kick um, you know, that you don't have to worry about the kick and you know, that keeps uh that's an automatic four point lead, which meant that New York needed to try to end the game and they couldn't get it done. But I think, you know, watching this game, I think like, do we, I think we got to start with uh, just shouting out the front row here. Um, yeah. Which was incredible. All three of them, Cole Keith, Andrew Quatra and Isaac Salmon played full 80 minutes um, yeah, that that, that confused me as well. I thought that they would uh, at least one of them would have been subbed off at hey, certain man, points, and then then next thing I know, I'm looking at the clock and it's 80 minutes, and I'm like, oh, okay. What, All right. when, hey, man, when you're playing that good, like, hey, yeah, I mean, stay on, yeah, stay on. I'm not, I'm not, you know, and don't mess with what's working, right? So, I mean, you have like, I think you kind of look at it, right? And you obviously, as we mentioned, Quatrain already, um, Quatrain ends up being the hero of the game, obviously scoring the late try. Um, you know, the uh, arrow stats report following the game has him at 103 carry meters and 16 carries, which bo- led the team in both categories. Mm-hmm. Um, so his, you know, work rate with ball in hand was phenomenal. Um, Cole Keith led the team in tackles right at 21 um, against, which is super impressive. He had an immense work rate through the game too. Isaac Salmon led the team in offloads, which I love that stat as a prop. That is amazing. Yeah. Um, Salmon, obviously, you know, with a uh, same with crop um, with Quatrin had, you know, a ton of, you know, a ton of carries was constantly was, you know, bashing his way through New York defenders, you know, suck drawing in defenders, 
And, you know, obviously on a couple of occasions, got a couple of nice offloads off to keep the attack going, keep that play moving. Um, but also like pretty good battle um, in the scrum too. Uh, Chance Wingluski, I thought on, you know, on the other side, he thought he played very well as well. And obviously, you know, part of that was, you know, started to draw some penalties in the scrum. And, you know, there was, there was definitely a part of the game where New York seemed to be gaining more penalties from the scrum than the arrows had a little bit of an edge there. And especially with Wengluski versus Salmon at points, but, you know, but to have that front row kind of come up and then with playing a full 80 minute shift in the last two minutes of the game, the front row is the one that comes up with the try. And then when it's needed the most, they get a massive scrum win against a feed, steal the ball back and allow Chris Bell to end the game. Right. So that's, you know, in their 80th minute. So, I mean, ultimately, like, what a shift from all three guys in the front row. Um, just, uh, you know, just a phenomenal performance. And the one, like, as you kind of mentioned, it's I, like, I don't remember last time I've seen all three front row players stick on for 80 minutes in, in any game, any level. And, you know, to have them be the guys that it's like at the end of the game, they're the ones that end up being the difference makers, both in the sense that they scored a try and, you know, came up with a, uh, a massive set piece scrum win on the defensive side to uh, actually, you know, to hold on to the ball and uh, pick up a huge win. Yeah. Uh, you actually mentioned Chris Bell in uh, that analysis, and that's something that uh, needs to be picked up because uh, Ross Brody seemed to go down with a leg injury mm. in the 16th minute. So Chris Bell came on for far earlier than he was expected to. You probably thought it was the 60th minute, not 16th minute. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, and that's a bit of concern because obviously now Brody and Bell are the two scrum halves for the arrows, considering um, Ferguson's injury. Well, the injuries to the team as a whole. The, These are the only two. Um, however, it should be noted that when it came to Johnny Sheridan's try, uh, Brody was. You can actually see Brody on the screen. He's in one of the big coats, uh, cheering on the guys um, from just beyond the touchline. So he seems to be like moving around and stuff. So. Uh, hopefully it's not a serious injury and yeah. he can be uh, back in the arrows blue and white uh, far sooner than well, hoped. I think I think that's one of the things that's impressive about not only the arrows, I guess the first half of the arrows season here as we're through seven games. So almost the first half, I guess. Um, but also in this game particular where it's like the injury, the injury list came out a couple hours before game time as the arrows always do. And it's like, yeah, there's like 12 guys on it. Yeah. And they're like key important players too that are that are missing or have been out for the full that are out for like long-term injuries, have been out for the whole year. Yeah, um, that's something else to mention. Wow. Uh, Mason Flesh has been Flesh announced well out yeah. for the entirety of the season. He has to undergo surgery as and then, well. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like you look at this game and it's like um Malcolm has to leave for like you know an HIA Brody forced out of the game due to injury early on um Shepard had to leave for a blood substitution at one point injuries kind of keep piling up they had two yellow cards um they're probably like I mean they're nowhere near the healthiest that the team can be they're suffering injuries during the game yellow cards are also putting them down and it's like and they still found a way to beat one of the best teams in the Eastern conference. Um, yeah. Right. And uh, you know, just th- that ability to just kind of dig deep and like I said, like just 
to dig deep and kind of lean on every like Chris Bell. Yeah. Has to come in and what was it? The 16th minute. And he plays very well. Right. And, you know, and uh, he plays very well and, you know, has, has a role to play in the, in the final try in the game winning try too. Right. Um, Yeah. uh, You know, a guy like as well, um, you know, a guy like Johnny Sheridan first game of the year. Right. And it's like, you know, the, the arrow on the pace able to spot yeah. that miss pass, able to capitalize on it as soon as possible. And, well, far faster than any of the uh, New York players. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that is a bad, bad pass from Andy Ellis to uh, Ed Fido. Either, well, either bad pass or bad catch, I guess, depending on your point of view. But, you know, uh, hits the deck. He's the first guy there. And, but it kind of goes to show you too, right? Like all the injuries that the arrows have had. And, you know, there's been definitely been injuries to the wingers, fullbacks, like the back three. Um, yeah. outside backs there and you know this is still Sheridan, Sheridan's first game and he's able to come in and make a make a big impact it had obviously like a massive massive play to be you know you know Johnny on the spot there to kind of pick up the ball and uh, finish off that try right and you know in in such a uh, defensive battle right it's kind of fitting like we've seen it a couple times like with um, with the arrows defense is that the you know they, they do have the defensive structure of the team, like they have great line speed going right now. Like uh, across the board, they're very fast to get off the line and it is creating pressure. And in a lot of cases, that pressure is going to force bad passes or it's going to force, you know, the, uh, the players that are on the receiving end of those passes to maybe start hearing some footsteps, keep, take the eyes off the ball a little bit. And that's going to end up resulting in knock-ons or loose balls. And, in this case here, that's basically what happened. And then Sheridan's able to run in and scoop it up before any New York players are in the vicinity and scored a nice try under the post. Um, you know, I, I do kind of want to like look at, it. I feel like Johnny Sheridan's just kind of one of those guys that, you know, he's probably like a perennial like depth player on the Toronto yeah. Arrows in this league. Um, but every time he gets into the game, he seems to score somehow. Um, yeah, actually, or, or have just like, it. yeah, exactly. It's it's a great it's a great uh, thing to have. Like he, uh, he, well, it's like a secret weapon. In that yeah, case. exactly. It's, he just shows he's like, like you know we have to score tries in this game. Let's get Sheridan in. Yeah, exactly. Like so, he uh, he just seems to kind of show up and score, or show up and just have like an insane amount of meters carried. Too like yeah. every time he comes in, he kind of plays well. But uh, but yeah, but I mean, is obviously. You know, kind of entering the lineup here because there's there's a lot of lot of injuries to the backs. The arrows backs are obviously been hit really hard. And unfortunately, it seems like it's trickling to the forwards now a little bit too. But you know, a couple of guys came back from injury, and then yeah, like you know, tough tough news to hear about Mason Flesh going to be out for the year as well. for the year. Yes, well, um, for the rest of the season for the season. Oh yeah, that's what I meant by year. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, so he he he's out for the the season, and then. Yeah, so that that's another tough loss. Um, but even with that though, like it's nice to see, like okay, so you got Della Vega, and we'll continue with this this kind of trend here, right? Um, lovely, just wonderful to see guys stepping up, and you know, despite the injuries, what the arrows are able to do right now. Like, I mean, you look at uh, Kyle Bailey, Thomas Della Vega, both out. Yeah. Right? Um, two of you know, Della Vega is probably one of the best flankers in the league. I mean, the we've talked we've talked at length that how stacked and loaded the arrows back row is, right? Della Vega yeah. is a big part of that. Also, Kyle Bailey, who's you know can play lock, can play back row, depending on where you need him at any given time. But with both of those guys out, it allows James O'Neill to get a start at seven. Yeah, and you know, Rumble's at six, Foley's at eight. Foley's been playing really well last two games too. Yeah, James O'Neill absolutely. comes out the gate and has a couple breakdown steals pretty yeah. early on. You know, solid work rate throughout the entire match, slowing the ball down. 
you know, making his tackles, getting a couple carries mixed in there, right? And it's like he's playing really well as a rookie in this league, having to fill, you know, the shoes left, as I said, by like, you know, Thomas Della Vega, Kyle Bailey. And he's also playing on like the side that Rumble usually plays on, right? Too. Like he's usually like he's playing the open side flanker role and then Rumble's shifting over to blind side, right? So it's, yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's impressive to see like just everybody able to, you know, come into the game, step up, whether it was O'Neill, like O'Neill, Sheridan, um, Bell, like guys that aren't necessarily the starters. If you have an hundred percent healthy lineup, but are Mm -hmm. able to come in and make a big difference in a super important win in the Eastern conference for the Toronto arrows as they prepare to, you know, come back home for the first time in yeah. thousand something way too damn long days. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'd also like to take note of the Canadians on the opposite side of the pitch because we had uh, Quinn Nawadi and Andrew Coe playing uh, for rugby New York. Uh, Quinn Nawadi, um, you know, great player. And then um, he, well, he got subbed in the second half of Jason Emery. Andrew Coe played uh, for the entire 80 minutes and had, a pretty good defensive game, I've got to admit, especially from a guy who's come from Canada Sevens, who's known for scoring tries in pretty much every game he's been in with Rugby New York. Because um, I did make a prediction last week that Andrew Coe would score the first try and then Brock Webster would score a hat-trick of tries. And um, neither of the things happened. And that's because I said Andrew Coe would score the first try didn't score that first try Brock Webster he happened and then he would have scored a hat trick but because it didn't he uh, unfortunately was unable to do so in that position um, yeah um, our predictions uh, did, did, did that did not plan, pan out very well that, well we said Toronto would win so that's the most important we did say Toronto would win yeah that was a good one um, yeah but that whole uh, Webster which I guess is another issue because that's Webster's last game too, right? If we're going to keep kind of talking about the injuries and stuff, not really an injury, but I believe that's Webster's last game too. Right? It's, it's either it's either uh, this game or next game because I believe he was on a I I can't confirm if it was a six week or six game contract. If it was six weeks, that would be his final appearance, and if it was six games, then he may be appearing in Toronto. But I don't want to put um, any hope in fans' hearts just yet. And, and of course, uh, we won't know until they officially announce the lineups, yes, by which we've... point this podcast will already be out. So, uh, uh, Neil Davidson's article on Brock Webster signing states clearly that Webster's deal with the Arrows runs through March 29th. Okay, so well, today is the last day because uh, we are recording on Tuesday, the 29th of so this was indeed Brock Webster's final game for the Arrows. For the moment, hopefully, if uh, the Arrows continue their upward trajectory, uh, we hope that uh, Brock Webster may be able to come back for the uh, playoffs. Of course, um, what we're alluding to is that Brock is leaving to join the uh, Canada Men's Sevens because they've got a pretty uh, busy April coming up. They've got the Singapore Sevens, then they have the Vancouver Sevens, and then they have the Rugby America's North Sevens in Nassau in the Bahamas. And that will be for qualification for the Rugby World Cup Sevens that will take place in September this year. So that is going to be a pretty intense uh, month-long Busy stretch. Month rock anyways, yeah. yeah. 
So, Brock, uh, thanks for everything you've done in the Irish jersey so far, and all the best with the uh, Canada men's sevens. He does. He does lead. Uh, leave as the team's leading try scorer still, though. So. For the moment. So here's hoping that uh, we can have other Arrows players score. Try Maybe another player can get that hat trick. Maybe when uh, Gaston Mirez is fighting fit again, we'll have uh, a three-peat on for him. So this is the thing. When you're scoring seven pointers, that means that uh, the kicker on your team isn't doing one of the main things that they're supposed to be doing, which is uh, kicking the conversion. So Sam Malcolm, uh, you would think otherwise, may have been twiddling his thumbs all game, but uh, this is the thing. We're talking about uh, Sam the Lionheart, Sammy the Boot, uh, who scored a fantastic uh, 50-22 to give the Arrows a uh, line out in New York's, um, right by New York's try line. He also had an incredible defensive game, you know, proving that no matter how big you are or how strong you think you are, Sam Malcolm will be there to bring you to ground as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this, uh, you know, two weeks in a row, Sam Malcolm's defense is just absolutely shining. And like you kind of said, like it's, you know, it d- doesn't doesn't need to kick. It's like it's not often you're like highlighting fly half's performances when they're, you know, don't necessarily like directly contribute to the scoreboard. Um, but yeah, phenomenal game from Malcolm. You know, it's he's one of he's probably like you could probably make a good argument that he had at the moment, he's probably one of, if not the best players in MOR right now. Um, just oh, I, oh, we've known that for years. Oh, yeah, for years. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, like it's 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 crazy. Like just what he can, especially what he can do on the defensive side of the ball, right? Like he's ta- like you know, so many times it's like you saw like New York kind of tries to run in his direction, and he would just shut it down. Whether that's you know the opposition fly half, whether that's a prop, whether that's Kara Pryor in open field after he got through a huge gap, right? And Malcolm's the guy that hits him. Malcolm gets hits him and is able to contribute to creating a turnover on that play. Shout out James O'Neill once again. Um, yeah. But yeah, just that, like just watching Malcolm is honestly like, it's amazing. Um, just like no matter... If, if it's it's either like the ridiculous kicking accuracy, it's which I mean, like you said, wasn't necessarily called upon because you know the two tries under the post, but it's and uh, you know pr- a pretty disciplined New York team, all things considered. Never really yeah. had. I can't even think of a situation where I was like, oh, I would take take points here. Looking back on the game, can you like? Was there? I don't necessarily even think there was like an opportunity for it. Um, yeah, it, it didn't seem as though there was like a clear opportunity where you could like, yeah, where you're like, oh, I think they should edge ahead. Yeah, it, exactly. it always seemed as though, all right, let's go for the corner. And especially as soon as the snow started falling, you're like, right, ball in hand is kind of really what this needs to be. And obviously, there was like issues in the line outs. Uh, but then again, I think there was issues for like both teams. So it's, you know, balances itself out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and like I said, the fifty twenty two that helped to uh, get the arrows into uh, rugby New York's half and uh, within a fighting position of scoring a try, which unfortunately didn't pan out that way. Yeah. But you know, it's these things of you know being a tactician as well. It's not yeah. just from the kicking tee; it's from things as well. I mean, that's why he's uh, one of the vice captains for the arrows this yeah. year. And speaking of captains, uh, I think it's time to mention uh, the main man, 
which is Mike Shepard. You know, another phenomenal performance from him. A performance so good, in fact, that Major League Rugby had him as one of the locks for the MLR 15 of the week. Now, what else is there to say about how good Shepard has been for the Arrows? Man, Shepard's been been insane. Like he was, um, I think, like he he was was he an all he was an all star in 2019, right? Um, I believe. Yeah, I think he was yeah. first team. Yeah, he's he's really returned to that form from uh, 2019, and it's you know it, it's it's wild kind of watching him play right now. Um, you know, again, it's just another guy that's just showing up with the monster work rate, um, making a ton of tackles. Um, you know, getting some nice hard carries. Like I said, it's like we've we've talked uh, we've talked a little bit about how he's like you know adding some more I you know adding more elements to his game, um, especially in relation to that line out. And you know, he, um, he keeps adding like a lot more of those elements to his game. And you know, even just like watching like when the arrows right now are defend like because R- rugby New York is a team that is kind of known especially with Dylan Fawcett, who has been, you know, in previous MLR years, Fawcett always seems to find himself among the league's leading try scorers just because, I mean, that's not necessarily the case this year, but, but just because like, that's always been kind of New York's bread and butter is that they'll get, they'll get the five meter line out and there's not much that you can do to kind of stop that mall. And obviously you know, New York's first try of the game from Geiger um, was the result of a mall. But every other time that New York attempted this, the arrows were able to shut it down. And the guy, one of the guys is right in the mix of that all the time was Mike Shepard. Um, just seems to be finding ways to get through, you know, defenses, uh, you know, to get, to get through malls right now, get his hands on the ball, hold up the ball, create turnovers for the team. I thought Paul Cialini did a pretty good job of doing that, helping him out doing that um, during most of this game too. And it's, it's been, you know, it, it's been insane watching him, watching him play this year. Cause one of the strengths of the arrows this year has been their defense. And part of that is their ability to shut down teams, malls kind of, Team Smalls going forward as kind of evidence against you know a team that is really good at it in uh, in New York, especially with guys you know especially with guys like Brakeley like you know kind of controlling and manning the line out there too, right? So you know that that's something that New York's going to go to a lot, and the arrows came in and were able to you know to shut that down. Shepard was a big part of that. I got a couple turnovers um, in addition to like you know just insane work rate with the tackles and everything and. You know, and, and the all and another guy puts in a massive, you know, minus his uh his little blood sub, but like massive full game shift, and it's like the uh, the the Toronto Arrows forwards are uh you know really playing some fantastic rugby right now, and as kind of mentioned earlier, all the backs that are stepping up to fill holes and play where needed are also playing amazing. The line speed, um, they're making life difficult for uh, for the attack going forward and. You know, a big reason why, you know, the arrows are starting to rattle off are rattling off a bunch of wins right now. And I mean, technically are four and two on the road, um, four and three, if, which with the uh, the game in Langford, which is technically a home game as far as the schedule and standings are concerned. Um, but so right now, like, you know, four and two on the road and obviously, man, we got to get hyped up for this weekend. Right. So, I mean. Uh, four and two on the yeah. road. The team is coming back home, York Lions Stadium, this Saturday at noon against Rugby ATL. I'm kind of I'm feeling good about being four and three with seven more home games out of uh, the remaining nine games. 
And, you know, as we kind of learned in the past, the arrows are very difficult to beat at home. We only have one year of data to really support yeah. that, uh, that thesis, but um, that's going to be a big one and welcoming, you know, the defending Eastern conference champions. We kind of, I think it's, it's kind of nice and fitting that, um, you know, it is Atlanta, given that Atlanta was the host for Toronto all of last year. Yeah, um, the roommates so that, situation. Yeah. So it's a fitting opponent for uh, the first home game back. And, you know, it's um, that's going to be crazy, man. Um, how, how excited are you for the uh, for the return home? We get to see, you know, we get to see all these guys that we've spent the past like two years talking about playing. Um, finally, um, you know, put on put on an arrows jersey and run out in front of. Um, a sea of blue and white. Uh, I mean, Brian Stadium. I, I have to go back to like late 2019 when the 2020 schedule was released, and I was already planning a uh, weekend basically camped out at, I think it would have been uh, Lamport Stadium because on the uh, Saturday we could have seen like the Toronto Wolfpack with Sonny Bill Williams and on the Sunday mm-hmm. it was the Arrows versus San Diego Legion so we could have seen Ma Nonu so basically two All Blacks in the space of two days um, then of course obviously everything with COVID happened and so all those plans were swiftly uh, brushed away into the wind then comes the 2021 season and The initial idea is that Toronto will start their season in Atlanta and hopefully relocate back to Toronto towards the end of the season because of border issues and things like that. That never came to fruition as well. So, yeah, I feel like myself and a lot of Arrows fans have been waiting so long for this to actually come about. And it it kind of feels surreal that it's going to be this weekend. It's going to actually (laughs) come about because it's just been a a page in the diary for so long. And you're so used to being like, okay, uh, when we'll be watching this Arrows game on TSN or (laughs) getting it through the rugby network. And so, and now it's actually, we have to wake up, get dressed, get out the house, head to York Lions Stadium have as many people there who have been waiting for this as long as we have and finally be able to give three years worth of support to the arrows because god knows we've been waiting ages for this but so have they as well oh man yeah no i'm just i'm just yeah like you said i'm just excited to see them see them back at home and i mean you know even even at that like it it doesn't even matter. Like whatever the result ends up being on Saturday too, it's like, it's just going to be, no matter what happens, it's going to be awesome just to have the Toronto arrows back at home to see them run out onto, you know, York Lions stadium in like, you know, the new venue. Um, like you said, it's just a, the insane, like crowd of supporters. Um, good thing that, uh, you know, York Lions stadium doesn't have a roof because it wouldn't be there after the first minute of the game anyways. And that is true. Yeah. And like, it, yeah, it's going to be insane. Like, I'm, you know, just even like looking forward to like, you know, all the, uh, all the, like actually seeing some of the, like the fans that we end up like interacting with all the time on like social media that may, you may or may not have ever actually met or anything. I think it will be, uh, will be a lot of fun too. And, you know, it's, uh, 
it's it's been a long time since I've seen like a live rugby game. Unfortunately, I had to miss the uh, the rugby rally when when that happened, and so I mean it, it's been a while since I've seen uh, Toronto versus Houston in 2020 in Las Vegas would have been the last live arrows game I've seen. So um, it feels like it's been, it's been way too long. And like, yeah, like I'm just, oh man, I, I'm just, I'm too excited to just, you know, head down. And actually, like you said, it's like we to actually just be able to go watch the team. You know, if, if someone scores a try, you can, you can yell and scream and uh, not have to worry about if the neighbors are going to get angry because all your neighbors in that moment are also going to be, yelling and screaming and stuff too that actually reminds me i have to uh, write apology letters to my neighbors because i've been like screaming arrows for the past uh, three years <laughs> tell them to watch with you i don't know why are we you know what actually that's a good point why are we concerned about the neighbors we should be inviting them more arrows fans the better uh and yeah man like i'm like you know everyone like get your tickets yeah get um, get your tickets friends, get up there uh, i believe friends, the yeah. yeah the gate opens from like 11 so Something if like you that. want to get there early, that's a good time to do so. I don't believe there is going to be any like TTC closures out on the line. So, oh my gosh, uh, should we able to get there? Like, no get problem. there early. It's a new stadium. Go walk around, check out the stadium, check out like what the uh, you know, the 2022 version of the Arrows game day experience is going to have the offer pregame. Um, and then yeah, man, just should be a party on Saturday, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a it's going to be wild. And uh, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, it's going to be wild, man. It'll be, uh, I'm not even sure what other games are happening this weekend. I'm just so laser focused on. Yeah. It's just all circle the arrows Atlanta. When we go to the predictions, I'm going to be yeah. completely new to any of these games that are occurring. So should be, a, should be a fun one. And like, and like we say, if you see us at the game, you want to come over, say hello, by all means, we're friendly. Well, I am at least. I don't know yeah. about Derek, but uh yeah, uh, but yeah, but yeah. Uh, we're, right. Anyway, we're, yeah, Derek's fine. Derek, Derek's okay. You may uh, wait wait until he's got a beer in his hand. If you and, if uh, you find Dan, 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 don't don't talk to Dan. Don't talk. Yeah, if you find Dan, Dan, Dan's rough. <laughs> Dan's rough around the edges. He's not. Uh, yeah, he he might not. He's not as nearly as friendly as means to. I don't think so. Um, but uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, if you see us, you know, let let us know what you think of the podcast, whether it's good or bad, and. Uh, you know, like you said, it's like we're all just there to have a good time, enjoy some rugby anyway. So, yeah, have some fun, cheer on the arrows. We look forward to seeing you there. Right. We spent a lot of time talking about uh, one team in one game. Do you think we should uh, blitz through these uh, other four matches that happened this weekend? Don't you agree, Derek? Uh, yeah, sure. If you want to. All right. Sure, sure. <laughs> okay. So we have our thing, but. Okay, we had a few games happen. Now, this is the good thing about having the one game on Sunday is that it doesn't interfere with any other games because we had two games uh, kicking off at the exact same time. Uh, so that was DC versus NOLA being the first one. Um, and, you know, congratulations. D- yeah, they got a, a point. point. They got a try bonus okay. point. Fantastic. It just took you eight rounds to get to, but, uh, you go. know. We're getting somewhere. La- last uh, horse path the finish line. And we'll talk uh, about Old Glory later in this podcast because the fact that will. they only have one table point leads to some other news. Yes. Uh, the final score being DC at home 22, Nola, the visitors, 31. So Nola will leave with the full five points. Doug. You know, get back into their uh, win column so yeah. long. So, yeah. Um, Doug Frazier is kind of playing pretty well for a guy that's on the 
last on a winless team or whatever. I feel like he's having a low key, pretty decent season. Uh, he's made some uh, like nice hits, had some nice runs. He's been one of, I think he's been one of Old Glory's better players through their struggles so far. Okay, we had the next game, which was the clash of the top teams in the East: Atlanta hosting New England. And you know, it looked at the start as though Atlanta was going to be uh, getting this game under their belts, but uh, then. New England decided they wanted to shake things around a bit. And, yeah, definitely uh, turned on the jet burners in the second half. Final score, Atlanta 27, New England 41. Derek, you picked New England uh, last week. Clearly, you knew something that I didn't. Uh, Yeah, I knew that they were going to be wearing red jerseys, which I think was the key to their success. Um yeah, that's a big, big one. Obviously, um, obviously a huge, huge win for New England. It probably solidifies their kind of solidifies their their unofficial crown as maybe the team to beat in the Eastern Conference right now, especially with New York. Yeah, they are top of the uh, yeah. Eastern Conference table at the moment and put themselves, I believe, two points clear of ATL. Yeah, so... well, it's. They're they're the uh, the one six and one team, and then you got uh, like we were kind of talking about last week, looking at the Toronto Arrows' chances, right? A win against New York, uh, accompanied with the fact that one of New England or Atlanta would have to lose, puts them right back in the middle of the playoff race, and yeah, you know, it, it kind of draws draws everybody a little bit closer. Only six points back of second now, and um, second and third now, um, six points back in New York, anyways. Um, for the arrows, but yeah, uh, Matt Heaton unfortunately went down pretty early in the game. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully he's uh, he's not out for too long. It'd be great to see him in the lineup um, for the first game back in Toronto too. Um, kind of continue because yeah. con- that would be kind of cool because it's like the only other time the arrows ever got a proper home opener. Eric Howard was the captain, so if Heaton comes up, that'll be back. That'll be two arrows home open. The only two that would make it that the two. Arrows home openers who had uh, Canadian captains on the other side too, so hopefully he's uh, hopefully he's all right and we're able to see him on Saturday. Yeah, we had a bit of uh, Canadian representation across both teams. We had uh, Connor Keys coming on for Justin Basson uh, for the final eight minutes. Uh, George Barton replaced uh, Will Leonard at center at the forty-five minute mark. Uh, we had uh, Foster Dewitt come on off the bench for the Free Jacks. At the 50-minute mark, um, Josh Larson, the captain, obviously uh, did the entire um, 80 minutes as well as Regan O'Gorman. And then Jack Reeves back from injury for the final five minutes as well. So, you know, good uh, Canadian representation uh, across these uh, across this match even. Um, yeah, a bit of indiscipline. You had uh, ATL getting a yellow card at the 50th minute and then... New England getting one in the 63rd minute. Of course, by this point, it was uh, uh, unfortunate that uh, it seems as though uh, Saitama, so Saitama's yellow card for ATL um, coincided with Harry Barlow getting the try, but uh, when New England got a yellow card, it was unable, uh, sorry, it was ATL were unable to really capitalize on it at that point. Um, so they were unable to get any points. Um, so yeah, so ATL suffering a heavy loss at home, and uh, going to make you wonder if uh, maybe that loss 
maybe they'll be uh, coming out fighting against the arrows on Saturday, or if uh, the momentum is firmly with the arrows to get uh, third win in a row. Fire and Ice Cup, which was mentioned in this game, it is only available at the uh, defending uh, team's home pitch, which means that we must wait a few more weeks until the arrows go down to Atlanta and Silverbacks Park. I and believe that's they... May 28. We'll check our diaries later and we'll bring it up near the time, but that will be when the that'll be when the cup's available. So that's it. So it's just for it's just for pride this week, pride and position in the I was gonna say I'm pretty sure there's there's table points on the line in this one too. Yeah, but so no no silverware is like, available at this point. Yeah, I feel like there's more than pride on the line though. I feel like there's still a, it's still a league competition game. <laughs> there's there's table points and uh stuff on the line too. Moving okay. on. Moving on, and moving on west, as it seems, because we head back to the Pacific Coast, where it is Seattle versus Los Angeles. And, you know, bad uh, fortunes for Seattle, who looked like they had two tries in the first half, only for them to be uh, chalked off as, um, you know, either the forward pass or gone to touch here and there. And so LA off to a commanding lead, and then, Finally, Seattle were able to get points in the second half, but LA were able to run away with it. The final score, Seattle 12, LA 31. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, we were kind of, you know, I think some people were kind of starting to get a little somewhat critical of LA to start the season. And, you know, knowing that, um, you know, they have, they have dealt with a lot of injuries, but now, you know, they've, you know, rattled off a couple wins, you know, back up to four and three for their first seven games. And the West is insanely tight right now too. Mm. Um, obviously the last game, Houston beat Utah. Um, so yeah, obviously the last game, the Houston beat Utah. I said that there's no way Paul CK would lose his first game. Um, unfortunately he did. Um, this, so my prediction there was wrong. Uh, but he did score a try, but I think the, uh, the results to kind of, you know, the results in the Western conference, and you're looking at the Austin Gilgroni sitting at five and two with 23 points in the table at first place. And then LA at four and three with 19 points in the table. So, I mean, for, first to fifth is, you know, essentially a win yeah. um, to go from fifth to first right now. Um, I guess, obviously, depending on how the rest of the table kind of shakes out. But, like, you know, that's, um, you know, this a, a bonus point win would put L.A. from uh, from 29 points to 24, which would, you know, be ahead of where Austin is in first place now. And, obviously, you know, mm. that making that jump in one week's a little bit easier said than done, considering that the teams ahead of you also still have to play. But um, this is kind of shaping up, as we said, like this – so Seattle's already played eight games. One team's hitting the fit their halfway mark, but you know, as we kind of, you know, start gearing up for the second half of the season, it looks like the playoff race in the Western conference is going to be insane. Yeah. That's the thing is in after this coming weekend, each team will have played eight games and we'll have a clear idea where we are at the halfway point of the league of who's going to be challenging for, um, maybe even like the conference final or like the home playoff final and who needs to be, you know, picking up the slack if they're going to be challenging to, to be in the top three of their respective conference. Um, so as you mentioned, um, Paul the CK, uh, yeah. So Utah versus Houston. Now I said 
that if Utah had learned their lessons from playing against Toronto, they would be able to beat Houston. And clearly, uh, they did not. So uh, we had a few... I mean, Utah didn't even score a single point until the 63rd minute, so over an hour of game time, by which point uh, Houston had already scored three tries, Mm -hmm. each with a conversion. And... uh, you know, and then uh, the final try for Houston that gave them the bonus point victory. That was an intercept as well to, you know, really just uh, tie the bow off on uh, their weekend exploits. But, uh, you know, and, you know, it doesn't get any easier for Utah because uh, they're going to be hosting San Diego on Friday evening. So they've gone from playing on the Saturday to playing on the Friday. So that's a six day turnaround. Mm-hmm. Um, whilst uh, the Sabercats will begin their second round of the Texas Cup or Lone Star Champion- Champs. I don't know which one it is at the moment. I don't know if the Texas Cup has been upgraded or if Lone Star Champs is something completely different, but they will be facing Austin this weekend. Um, so, yeah, that was the week that was. But there has been some news that's come out this week. Uh, news that we're going to briefly go over as well. Um, so as we mentioned um, with Rugby ATL, George Barton has now signed for the team. Um, from the Pacific Pride, Ethan Fryer has joined the New England Free Jacks along with Isaac Olsen from the Canada Men's Sevens. Um, now, old, uh, Seattle has acquired Ty Asa from San Diego for cap considerations. And some big news that happened today was Old Glory have now officially parted ways with their head coach, Andrew Douglas. And as we mentioned earlier, that we're currently in round eight and DC have only just got their first point of the season. It's uh, it's something that is uh, disappointing, but in the world of professional sport, is it really surprising, Eric? That this has been the decision that's uh, come about. No, I think you know, kind of given, um, you know, I mean, you look kind of look at it last year, or whatever. Obviously, you know, Old Glory didn't make the playoffs. I mean, granted, it was a two team playoffs, but um, you know, Old, Old Glory didn't necessarily fare well. I believe they Old Glory finished sixth in the Eastern Conference last year, did they not? They finished fifth. Toronto fifth. finished oh. sixth. Sorry, Toronto was sixth. Toronto was okay. Um, so yeah, obviously, you know. Either way, down down the standings, but and then to kind of they obviously, I think we talked about it in the um, like our preseason kind of preview uh, episode where it was like Old Glory lost a lot of talent um, that they yeah. had last year, and it you know the big question was kind of like if they did an adequate job kind of replacing that talent and. It, it really appears that it's like there's there's obvious holes in um in old glory's game and i mean you know i and it's it is one of those things where it's just like you know you finish you're one of the bottom teams in the league last year and you start this season oh and seven it took you seven games to even get a table point yeah right and uh you know so they finally got a try and i mean even like watching this game like they're their fourth try is what seven the 78th ninth minute like yeah. it's super late in the game it's when the game is at least you know it's at the point where it's like the game is already lost at this point which 
I mean, I guess it's kind of the point of putting bonus points in in the standings anyways. So teams kind of, you know, keep playing and, you know, playing out these, um, you know, the final minutes of games that are already won or lost. And, you know, so they're able to get that last try. But, yeah, it's, it is one of those things where you're just, you know, looking at it on, like, the surface. It's like, yeah, it, you know, team wasn't that great last year. They lost a bunch of key players and then, you know, are clearly – the you know are clearly the bottom of the Eastern Conference this year with you know like you said they only have one point in the table it took them the seventh game to get that and you know it's uh it's one of those things I think sometimes in pro sports it's just um you know un- unfortunately it's for, unfortunately for uh for the reality is for coaches is that they're usually the first ones to go usually yeah. the first ones to go um, when um, ownership or management decides that it's uh, that it's time for a change, so um, you know Douglas kind of becomes the first coaching casualty of uh, 2022, and um, you know they have, have they announced who's uh, who's replacing him as head coach yet? I don't believe that. that no, uh, in the press that. release they just um, they gave their best wishes to yeah. Douglas's family, but nothing has been announced at the time of recording. Yeah, so I mean, hope I guess. Like that's it, it's going to be tough. I mean, at, at this point, it's probably not a stretch to say that they probably don't have a shot at the playoffs anymore. Um, yeah, I think I think the actual wording was that they were going to use an interim coach. So yeah, maybe a coach, but they haven't said who involved. that is yet, right? No, they haven't. So. Yeah, um, uh, but they will be doing a yeah. worldwide search. Probably, I I guess at this point for next season, yeah, to find a new head it's, coach. I mean, at, at this point in the season, like I mean. You're probably looking at they have seven losses already. You're probably looking at having to run the table to finish yeah. nine and seven to even have a shot at the playoffs. And even nine and sevens probably might not be good enough. Yeah. To do that. But I mean, at the the other end of it is who who actually thinks that they would be capable of doing that right now. Um yeah. so and I mean they're they're clearly like in a tough Eastern conference too, where um, yeah. You know, all five of the teams ahead of them are inc- are incredibly talented, and you know, just kind of mentioned the West playoff race. I mean, I think I think the East playoff the playoff races going forward look like they're going to be pretty insane, right? At least like yeah. um, there's it looks like there's both conferences might have uh, four to five teams battling for the three spots um, as we go into the second half of the season, and um, yeah, so I mean, it's a uh, you know, it's it is just kind of the nature of pro sports, man. Like when you're when the team's losing, the coach is usually the first one to go. So, um, you know, hopefully Douglas uh, finds something in, in the near future. And um, but yeah, it's probably uh, it's probably for the best for old glory right now. And um, you know, uh, do we go on to the other the other crazy news too? The, the yes, uh, tackles. Yeah, yes, um, we have to. Okay, so. Um, this has come from the official press release from the Dallas Jackals website that they can confirm that on the afternoon of Sunday, March 20th, an off-field incident occurred which involved a number of players. With this, the Jackals have begun work with teams on a series of short-term loans and trades to cover the injuries incurred. And so there has been an incident in which uh, very little information be given on the exact location of where this happened, but basically a... Um, a walkway. Yeah, yeah walkway. They said it was like a walkway it collapsed. 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 Um, and there's been a number of injuries. I believe it is 
seven players that have now been put on the injury list, or a short-term injury list as yeah. of this moment. Um, and as such, the GM Elaine Vazzi has been in contact with other teams to ensure that there will be players available for the short term, at least. And so, it has been announced that um, as of Sunday, March 27th, the Jackals have acquired the following players. Uh, these three are on the sh- uh, Carson Shoemaker from Utah, Augusto Bomb from Seattle, and Jack Webster from NOLA are all on short-term loans from those teams. And Charlie Hola is a trade to, for NOLA for salary cap consideration. So it seems that uh, Hola will be available for the remainder of the season. Um, but... When you look at the Jackals' injury list, it's it's not pretty viewing a rate. I mean, their injury list was already pretty big to begin with. Now, these are the players that have been um, injured in the incident. Alejandro Torres, Conrado Rua, Eric Naposki, Luke Rizzo, Carlo Denishin, Kelly Kohlberg, and Todd Gleave. And they've all been given anywhere from one to two to two to three weeks um, uh, until their anticipated return. On top of that, you have Calvin Gentry, who has a HIA protocol, so it's unlikely that they'll be available. Uh, Liam Murray has shoulder and neck injuries. He's out for two or three weeks. Uh, Sam Phillips has a knee injury for two to three weeks. And Decor Davis has a kidney injury, and that is to be confirmed, but it's anticipated that will be for the short term. And on top of all that... We have mid to long-term absences. Um, Chris Pennell, the captain, has a knee injury, and that's yet to be determined. Uh, Jeremy Leonard has an angle injury. Um, He's out for six weeks. Uh, And the following two players have um, incident-related injuries, which are Ned Hodson and Henry Trinder. Um, Injury-related both knee and HIA, with Henry also having a wrist injury. Uh, Henry is scheduled for surgery, so he will be out for three months, which is effectively the end of his season. Uh, Ned Todson is out for at least six weeks. Um, and then we also have Mo Abdelmonem, who it was announced had a knee injury, and he has surgery scheduled, and he will be out for nine months, so for the entirety of 2022. So, I mean, we always knew that the new boys coming into the league, it was going to be tough for them. Did they have a curse placed on them? Is this like bad karma from a past life? I mean, this is just (laughs) terrible news to have. And I mean, the most important thing is thankfully no one has been seriously injured um, to the point that they can never play rugby again, which um, is something that I'm sure that was a concern and fear of the jackals themselves, but yeah, it looks uh, never gets easy, does it? Yeah, no, um, that's yeah, just a super unfortunate incident. Um, yeah, the uh, the press release from the jackals saying nine players fell seven feet to the ground, I guess, after this this walkway collapsed. Um, I, I don't I don't know if I would say it's like we're lucky like no one got her because it's like there's some seems to be some serious injuries here especially given that uh um Hodson and Trinder are gonna be out from you know 
six plus weeks for Hodgson and three months with surgery for uh, Harry Trinder too. Right. So that's um, obviously like that it's, it's going to be incredibly like, that's just incredibly tough to, you know, really unfortunate situation. And I mean, like you just, like you said, man, you like, you just kind of wish everybody that got was involved in the incident and any of the other players on the team that suffered, you know, have suffered injuries through like just rugby related reasons so far um, this season, you just kind of have to wish them well and wish them all a speedy recovery. And, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, good on, good on, a, you know, the other MLR teams for kind of stepping up and uh, be willing, mm-hmm. being willing to loan out some players to the Jackals um, in order to, you know, in order to help them out because um, like, you know, this is, it's a pretty, it's a pretty devastating list. I think it's, you know, all, all their captains are out. Um, like, you know, Naposki, who has been, you know, one of, uh, one of their, uh, the shining lights this season as their, uh, their first overall draft pick from this year, he's out for two weeks, uh, one, two weeks now, Torres, Aurora, like they've all like, you know, some of the guys that, uh, like, it looks like the guys that were involved in this is- incident were, uh, you know, some, some of the better players on the team too. Um, so it's, you know, it, it is, um, it, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just super unfortunate. And, you know, like you said, it's like, I, like, it's just, you know, a terrible accident. And, um, you just, you just hope that all, all the players involved, um, you know, ha- have a speedy, uh, have a speedy recovery and are, you know, able to, uh, to get back on the pitch soon. And, you know, on top, it's, yeah, it's, uh, you know, some devastating news, really unfortunate for the, the Dallas Jackals. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully they'll be able to pull through this and, uh, you know, you know, be able to kind of bounce back and, you know, like it says, uh, you know, it'll be, uh, you know, coming off a of bye week, but, uh, you know, following this incident and stuff too, obviously their, their next couple of games are probably, uh, going to be some uphill battles but um mm. you know it's uh the most important thing at this point is just kind of the, the health of the players and then um you know um it does mention in the press release um it says due to players seeking individual legal advice for related injuries no further comments will be made about the off-field incident um so yeah like i'm, I'm assuming there's some sort of investigation or something going on to uh wherever that walkway was, uh, how exactly it collapsed with, uh, with nine individuals on it. Cause, um, you know, that's, uh, obviously something that, uh, whatever that building is that it's, uh, you don't want that to happen, happen at all. So it's, uh, you know, super unfortunate. Just wish, wish everybody yeah. that was involved the, yeah. the best and hope everyone has a speedy recovery. Absolutely. Right, if uh, you're looking to watch some rugby this weekend, here are the places where you can find it. The Women's Six Nations continues, and you can find that on DAZN. If you're looking for the European Premiership and URC competitions, those will be on Sportsnet. If you're looking for the Super Rugby Pacific series, you can find that on TSN. If you're looking for Japan League One, you can find that on the Rugby Network, as well as the non-Arrows MLR games. They'll be available there. And if you are looking for the Arrows uh, game against ATL, uh, well, if you live in the GTA, by all means, uh, get a ticket and come along to York Lion Stadium. But if you're a bit further afield, you can watch it Saturday from midday kickoff, available on TSN.
So there's a lot of games happening. We got back to a six game configuration. And Derek, it is time for our predictions. So first up is the Friday fixture, Utah versus San Diego. Who you got? You know, I think I'm going to go with San Diego. Just, uh, you know, they're they're coming off a bye, and uh, I think they've just been uh, just been playing a lot a lot better. And, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I mean, like I said last week, if Utah learned from their mistakes against Toronto, they'd win. They didn't learn from their mistakes. So burnt once, I will be going with San Diego as well. Okay, next up, we have the first of the Saturday fixtures. It is Toronto versus Atlanta. Derek, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that you're going to pick Toronto. Uh, I am, yeah. I just, there's, after a thousand plus days, there is no way Toronto's losing this game. Absolutely not. I'm picking. Yeah. I'm back in Toronto as well. Come on, boys. Let's bring it on. Literally. Uh, Next up, we have New England versus Nola Gold. Now, uh, New England have now asserted themselves with dominance and they are back at home at Veterans Memorial Stadium. So I'm going to be picking New England. Yeah, I mean, you know what, man? I got to agree with you on this one. I think uh, New England has proved last week that they are the team to beat in the Eastern Conference right now. So um, we'll stick with them, especially since they're playing at home, right? And that's uh, that's a tough place to go up and play at. So um, free jacks. Okay, next up, we have New York staying in Hoboken as they take on D.C. Who you got, Derek? New York, obviously. (laughs) This is going to sound really boring because it feels like we are just picking the same teams. But, I mean, you know, D.C. obviously not having a great start. And with the new coaching changes, you know, expectations are already on the floor. So I'm going to be going with New York as well. Okay, next up, we have LA versus Dallas. Dallas have a raft of new players coming in. LA coming off a win against Seattle. Uh, I think the momentum's uh, with them, and I think having home advantage is going to make a difference, so I am going to go with LA. Derek, how about you? Yeah, I mean, as as we just kind of talked about, you know, due to a very unfortunate incident, the uh, Jackals roster is pretty uh, pretty devastated right now, and... um, you know, I, I think they'll they'll put up they'll put forth a battle, and uh, you know they'll they'll go out there and play to the best of their ability. But um, if you're betting on it and you're picking, I think you got to go with LA. I am hoping that we're both wrong and Dallas pulls off a shock win. But... Yeah, I was gonna say, if, are we picking? We're not picking. Yeah, I agree with you, but unfortunately, we're not picking the teams that we're cheering for necessarily, right? But yeah, if, if Dallas ends up getting their first win, um in the LA Coliseum with half their team, more than half their team on uh, the injured list. That'll be uh, one of the uh, biggest wins in MLR history. And now we round off the weekend with the Texas Cup clash between Austin and Houston. And this will take place at Bold Stadium. Uh, So Derek, who are you picking? um, Let's go with... I'm gonna go with the uh, the Austin Gilgronies. They're coming off a bye at home. Yeah, uh, see them get back on the uh, the winning track here. 
Yeah, I mean, Houston were able to get that win over Utah as well, and they have uh, come about leaps and bounds. And, okay, my head is saying Austin. We have already agreed on the other five fixtures of this (laughs) weekend. If we just pick the same, then it's going to be boring. So for the sake of difference, I will pick Houston. I I don't expect them to win, but I just expect... (laughs) that we have to have at least one have have game in which we have alternative things. So I think Houston uh, finally going to get a long-awaited win over Austin and be able to temporarily lift the Texas Cup. Yeah. But I those- mean, ju- just to be aware for anybody that maybe uh, places bets based on this information that we provide, you should probably pick Utah, Atlanta, NOLA, DC, <laughs> and Dallas to win. Yeah, it probably is going to work out that way, isn't it? (laughs) Um, So those are Derek's picks. Those are my picks. But if you're looking for the Toonies picks, you can find that on our new TikTok channel, at The Rouge Rugby. In fact, you can find us on most social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at The Rouge Rugby. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, you can listen to more on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on Anchor FM. And if you like watching us, you can find more of our episodes on uh, the Rouge Rugby YouTube channel. And if you, in fact, are watching on our YouTube channel, you can see that Derek and I have our social media handles underneath us. But if you're listening, you obviously can't. So Derek, where can the good people of the support, the Arrows and Canadian Rugby, find you? Uh, you can find me at Percepta Jet across all social media platforms and at York Lions Stadium on Saturday at noon. You can find me at York Lions Stadium this Saturday at noon as well. But if you want to find me on social media, I'm mainly on Twitter and Instagram at Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN. Now, there has been some other news that has come from Rugby Canada this week. The high performance review has been released, and we will be releasing a special episode later this week. And we hope that you can join us for that one next time. <laughs>